Hello Jubilee Church in St. Louis. I was absolutely delighted when Brian invited me to preach for you. I'm obviously just sorry I can't be with you in person, but I so enjoy my friendship and partnership with Brian and I managed to keep abreast of uh, all, the, all the goings on in your church and I want to thank you and commend you for the witness you are to Jesus, the gospel and the body of Christ. Our text is Philippians 3, 12 through chapter 4, verse 1, and our title is Your Epic Calling. Let's read together. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the call for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you again, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. All right, let's jump straight in with a question. What is this, this? that he refers to in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this. What's that this? What's he wanting to obtain? What's he straining for? What's this prize that he's reaching for? Well, we know what it isn't. Because if you back up to verse 9, he speaks about his righteousness being by faith, a gift from God by faith. So this this that he's reaching for is not his salvation. That's been freely given to him. What is it? Well, he has not yet obtained what Bible scholar uh, Gordon Fee refers to as his eschatological realization. We can just call that heaven. So Paul's leg of the race on earth and then his leg of the race for eternity in heaven. He hasn't yet obtained and is not yet enjoying all the benefits of heaven, of, of fully knowing Jesus and no suffering and pain and sickness and death and so on. So he's looking forward to laying hold of that and he wants to run his leg on earth in a way that, that sets him up well for the next leg, the eternal leg of his journey. Also, he hasn't yet obtained the upward, upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what Bible scholar Michael Eaton, the late Michael Eaton, recently went to be with the Lord, very sadly, a wonderful, wonderful preacher and scholar of the Bible. What Michael Eaton calls the full accomplishment of his life's work. He hasn't yet obtained the full accomplishment of his life's work. We could simply call that Paul's specific calling. Because each of us 
have a specific calling, but all of us have a general calling. So we could say each of us have a general calling that's the same and a specific calling that will be different for you and different to me and different to the Apostle Paul. Let's talk about general calling. General calling is we're all called to know Jesus. We're all called to love our neighbour. We're all called to spiritual disciplines, Bible reading, prayer, financial generosity, fellowship with others. We're all called to do our jobs to the glory of God, whatever your job might be. It's in, this, in the sense of, of all having jobs, that's a general calling. To do those jobs as unto the Lord. General calling. All, all of us called to that. And then each of us have a specific calling. So Paul's was to plant and strengthen churches around the Mediterranean. Yours might be to be a mother. Yours might be to be a plumber. Who knows? Maybe you're a mother and a plumber. You can have, you can have both of those. You may be a student. If you're a student now, that's your specific calling now. I'm not a student at college now. My, my calling is to be a church leader. If you're a nurse, your calling in God is to be a nurse. That's specific to you. You've got your general, but also the specific. And amazingly, the Bible says that we will get rewarded in heaven by God for the faithfulness in which we fulfill the general call of God on our lives and the specific call of God on our lives. The Bible doesn't go into great detail about what these rewards will be like, but there will be somehow things that enhance what is already an amazing heavenly experience. They'll be the things that Jesus says to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. He's not going to say well done for us for getting saved. That's his work. We'll be saying, Jesus, well done you. Thank you for the righteousness you've given me. Thank you for waking me up from being dead in my sins. That's all you, Jesus. But he'll be saying to us, well done, good and faithful servant, for how we live out our general and specific calling in him. And in this passage, Paul speaks of that, those rewards as a prize. He's thinking of an athletics prize. When you win an athletics race, uh, apparently, I never did, but apparently when you do, you get applause. You get public recognition. There's a prize. There's a reward. And in this passage, Paul speaks of various things that are helping him run this race in a way that he attains the prize and obviously can help us run our race in a way, our general and specific race, in a way that helps us win the prize. So here we go. I've got quite a few of them, so I'm going to go fast. So I hope you can stay with me. First, how do we run? Well, know this. If you are still breathing, your calling is still in play. Here in the Philippians, writing to the Philippians, Paul knew he hadn't finished his race. He said, I'm still running. I'm straining for that tape for the prize. In 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. That was much later on in his life. He was able to look back and said, I've finished my race. Now, interestingly, he was still running his race as he, even when he said, I finished my race because he was writing this letter to, to Timothy. And that, that part, even at the end of his life, has, was a mighty part of his race in God, wasn't it? It, it made, made it into the canon of Scripture. So the point is, until we stop breathing, we are still called by God to play our general and specific role. Your specific role can change as the years and decades go by. But it's specific to you and it'll be different to me. But the general is the same. 
if you are still alive, you are still called in terms of general and specific. Keep going. And can I just say at this point, because you might be thinking, that's a calling. Paul writing a lot of most of the New Testament callings are of different shapes and sizes, certainly to our view. But to God, I believe that he looks at faithfulness, not size of calling. We're all given roles to play by God, and it's the faithfulness with which we do our role. And we must learn to be content with the role that God has given us to play. I mean, we should strive, as Paul's saying here, to do it as well as we can. But don't be envying someone else's calling. If you do, you'll never be able to enjoy your own. And you won't be able to celebrate theirs. You'll just be churned up with thoughts of envy. So we do it for the Lord. Secondly, cultivate spiritual ambition. This passage, Paul is throbbing with spiritual ambition, isn't he? It's, it's beautiful. He is eager to please the Lord. There is a difference between earthly ambition and spiritual ambition. And spiritual ambition can contain earthly elements like what we do for others and our vocations, our jobs and so on. But it's different in that it's ambition to achieve for the Lord. Ambition to achieve in the things that pleases the Lord. Cultivate that. Uh, next, you are called. I'll say that again. You are called. The New American Standard Version uses the phrase lay hold and lay hold. Paul says, I'm laying hold of these things because Christ laid hold of me. In that security and assurance he then strives for things. But because they're in the assurance that he's already safe in the Lord, it's not striving, striving. It's, it's godly striving. It's reaching in the security and confidence that we have nothing to prove in God. Our salvation is secure. That's motivation to strive, but not in an ungodly way. Uh, when I was 20 years old, I was at college. I listened to a speaker, and as I was listening to him, the penny dropped that God had laid hold of me. Therefore, I should lay hold of his purpose for my life in my life. In that one message, the penny dropped. I hope that will happen for you today if it hasn't already. This preacher, he spoke of how amongst six, million, six billion people, that's what the world population was about 30 years ago, amongst six billion people, I was the only one with these fingerprints. He spoke of how on the stage of life, God had a part that only I could play. He told us of explorer Thomas Cook, on whom, whom his gravestone, it says, he left nothing unattempted. He spoke about the dash on our tombstone, PJ Smythe, 1971, dash, and whenever the Lord takes me home with him. He says that dash is not just a dash, it represents your life that God has called you to. He spoke about the Wright brothers, whose father was a clergyman and his father was preaching from the pulpit. Air, tis not the realm of men that they may fly. Meanwhile, as two boys, Orville and Wilbur, were out back building the first aeroplane. He spoke of Churchill, who uh, from North Africa wrote a letter to his mother from the front saying, I, I rode my pony into the enemy today and discharged my revolver. I dispatched two of them. I rode again and dispatched one more. Near a bullet touched my person, my pony, or my tunic that day. Full stop. I believe I was preserved for higher things. I don't know if Churchill knew the Lord, 
but common grace had placed in him a sense of destiny. How much more we who know that we are born of God and born again of God, have the spirit of God within us, the word of God to guide us, brothers and sisters filled with the spirit alongside us. How much more should we, how much more should you know that you are called by God? He spoke of Billy Graham, who one night at college was out uh, praying with his friends at night and and they turned round and found Billy face down in the long wet grass, pounding the ground saying, God, let me do something great for you. Let me do something great for you. He spoke of Joseph and Joseph's father, who said to him, what is this dream that you have? What is this dream that you have? Maybe you don't have one. As you cultivate the sense of calling in God, you will know a dream from the Lord. You will know what your calling is. Many of you, most of us, were born upside down in a brightly lit room. And when we came out, we got slapped and we started to cry. At the sound of that cry, the mother was just so pleased. The doctor thought, great, I can go home now. The midwife midwife or social worker thought, "Uh uh-oh, another mouth to feed. But at the sound of that cry, Your father in heaven silenced all the angels. He said, you hear that cry? The plan has begun. God has a plan for you. Psalm 139 says, God knits you together in your mother's womb and all the days ordained for you were planned by God before one of them came to be. Jeremiah 1 tells us that Jeremiah and and, and us, derivatively by us, we are called and we are set apart. Ephesians 2 says God has good works for us to do. Good works for those who are in the Lord to do. You are called. You are called. Next, Paul speaks of this one thing. There's there's like a single-mindedness about Paul in this passage that doesn't mean just only doing one thing in the purest sense of one. Because we've got this general call and the specific call. And that, that, that has several things. Certainly, the general call is several things, and the specific call is, is one thing. So it's not one one thing. It's a danger to over-focus on something. But there's a oneness, there's a single-mindedness and purpose about Paul here that is magnificent. A newspaper can only have one headline. One nail hit, driven home is better than ten tacks. There's a single-minded purpose. Like Paul, I want to please you. Lord, I'm going for that prize. The prize is pleasing you at each stage of my life, in each season. Then Paul says this, forget. We must forget some things. We must remember many things. Don't forget God's faithfulness to you. Don't forget the goodness of God to you. But forget anything that will hold you back. What do you need to forget? Maybe some resentment you're carrying. Forget it. Leave it behind. But they did this. Forget it. Leave, leave them behind. Eyes on Jesus. That's where healing is. What about failure? Is that holding you back? God has placed your sin and your failure as far from you as the east is from the west, which means infinity. It's a poetic way of saying infinity. He's, he's placed your sins and failures infinitely far from you. How about you do the same as well? Are you better than God? Obey God. Imitate God. Release your failures and sins. Some, some of us need to let our successes go. Some of you have been so successful. Let that go. 
I mean, remember the, the good part of it, but don't hark back to that if it's going to keep you from pressing on for more success in Jesus in life. One of my best friends in Zimbabwe, he was, a, he was one of my first fellow elders in the first church we planted, River of Life. Uh, he's still an elder there. Uh, many, many years, nearly 25 years later, he's called Derek Landman. And he added so much to our eldership team. One of his favorite sayings was, forward, I say men, forward. He wasn't a stuck-up English gentleman. He was a tough Zimbabwean dude. But he would put on this British accent and say, forward, I say men, forward. The number of times that we ended elders' meetings saying, forward, I say men, forward. Forward. Forget and move forward. Your work is not yet finished. Then Paul says, stretch. I strain. I reach forward. Reach for the tape like, like a runner. I reach for the tape. You know how athletes and men are reach, uh, and men are reach for the tape as they get to it. Well, take a look at this clip. Take my word for it. There's a moral to this story. <laughs> yeah, it looked like a coronation for Tanche Pepio. He's getting the crowd. He wants the crowd to cheer his performance. And at the end, he gets pipped. He gets pipped by Marin Simon of Washington. And you just can't do this kind of stuff, Lewis. You can't. And you... What a disaster. Let's not be like that. Let's not look for adulation from the crowd. Let's not look at her. Let's not look at money. Let's not, not look at any of these things that will distract us. Look at the tape. Reach for the tape. And Paul says imitate. He called them to imitate him. Imitate others. Leaders are not infallible. Your parents, your role models, your pastors, they're not infallible. But you need people that can help set you a trend of living eagerly, of stretching and, and reaching for the prize, single-mindedness in Christ Jesus. Imitate them. Paul also says, beware. Doesn't he of these enemies of the cross? If you back up to the beginning of uh, chapter 3, the context is Judaizers. I won't go into detail. He's talking about those who, who are legalists. They're into religion, not Christianity. It's not, for them, it's not Jesus. Plus nothing gives you salvation. It's Jesus plus circumcision and Jesus plus fulfilling those rules and Jesus plus nationalism that give you salvation. But Paul says, he says, I, I warn you of those, I warn you of those people. Beware them. These are enemies of the cross. You know me, when I get talking about legalism and Pharisees, I just get hot under the collar. En it's enemies of the cross. It's not just a little brand of Christianity that needs to be tweaked. It needs to be obliterated. Enemies of the cross. The cross says we are saved through the work of Jesus. Jesus plus nothing and I'm righteous. Anything that distorts that is an, en is an enemy of the cross. And these, these Judaizers were quite something. They were not just legalists. They were licentious. Their God is their stomach. That's a, that's a way of saying they just really do whatever their human desires draw them into. Paul's saying don't be legalistic. Don't be licentious. Live in a way that honours the cross. Both legalism and the license are a huge trap, friends. Then Paul says embrace heaven. Embrace it. He says you're a citizen of heaven. You know that you've got two citizenships. Earthly citizenship and heavenly citizenship. And he doesn't say you will be a citizen of heaven. He says you are a citizen of heaven right now. I've got a, a friend, uh, more than one friend you'll be pleased to know. But uh, he's a South African and he's, he is a, uh, 
American citizen. But he said to me, I've got dual citizenship, American and South African. And he said, did you know that I had to swear, I had to pledge that if we went to war, I would side with America, not with South Africa. So they allowed him to keep dual citizenship, but whenever there was a conflict, you choose America. America. I love that. Earthly citizenship. Heavenly citizenship. Whenever there's a conflict, we choose our heavenly citizenship. That's the one that we fight for. Whenever our passions or the trends of this world, world are saying go there, but heavenly culture says go there, we go in the direction of heavenly culture. No, no questions asked. It's not a photo finish, close, no, heavenly culture every time. That's, that's how we stretch for the prize of God. And he says, stand firm at the end. Don't you love chapter 4, verse 1? Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy, my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. Part of, of running this race well, sometimes it's just standing firm. Maybe you're feeling so buffeted, you feel, I can't really take steps forward. That's fine. Just stand firm. Spread out your feet a bit. Drop your center of gravity in the Lord and stand firm. You'll be able to run again soon, but stand firm for now. And finally, he assumes that they have loving leaders in their lives. I, I long for you. I love you. My beloved, he says. We need people in our life, lives who love us and call us to stand firm. We need parents, siblings, pastors. We need people older than, wiser than us. But here's the key thing. We need people who feel a sense of ownership for us. He says, you, you are my joy and my crown. A crown was, was, was a, again, it was like a wreath that an athlete got. He said, how you do is an integral part of me. If you do well, I feel I do well. If you don't do well, I feel I have not done well. And we need people around us with that kind of loving ownership, not, not intense ownership, God forbid, but loving ownership because they will encourage us they will love us, but they will also provoke us. Remember, love without truth is soft and truth without love is harsh. We need people, leaders, role models in our lives who will both love us and speak the truth to us. Okay, let's just pull away from the text. Next steps. Next steps. Firstly, if you have not yet given yourself to Jesus, if you've not crossed the line of faith, you need to do that. That's part of your general calling, general and specific calling. General calling, you need to give your life to Jesus, surrender to him. Then once you've done that, next, next step is do your general will well. All elements of your general will. This is for those of you who are just becoming Christians today and those of you who've been Christians a long time, let's do the general will as well as we can. Love God, love our neighbors, spiritual disciplines, be faithful in these things. And thirdly, be faithful with our specific callings. As and when God shows you your specific calling, it's probably the season you're in, that's probably it for the moment. Do it with your whole heart as unto the Lord. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that all the words I've said today would find a place in our hearts. All the words that I've said are from you. If anything's unhelpful, I pray it would drop away. And I pray for a throbbing sense of calling in Christ Jesus, like Paul had for each of us. And may we run our race well for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Much love to you. God bless you.